to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. How are you doing today? My name is Oliver Banks. I'm your host. I'm a retail transformation specialist, a coach and a consultant. And I work with retailers to help them define their ideal operating models and deliver the changes to bring more profitable, more relevant growth. Thanks for tuning in. This one is episode 179, number 179. The rise of social media has been well documented and it's really had a significant shift to the retail industry. But going hand in hand with that rise has also been the trend of influencers. By having influencers, retailers and brands become more personable, more human. But when you scratch a little deeper, we actually can recognise that influencers have existed for a lot longer than social media. But nevertheless, it remains an exciting opportunity. So it's something I wanted to dive into a little bit more. And I thought, who's going to be the perfect guest to join me here on the Retail Transformation Show to explore this topic, this important topic? So I'm really excited to bring you someone today that has got so much different experience. And we get into that in the conversation. And today's guest is Michael LeBlanc. Michael is the founder and president of M.E. LeBlanc and Company Incorporated and a senior advisor to the Retail Council of Canada and the Bank of Canada. Michael brings over 25 years of brand and retail and e-commerce and marketing leadership and experience. And he's delivered keynotes and fireside discussions with a whole host of C-level executives and thought leadership panels. And like yours truly, to be honest, Michael has been recognized as one of the top global retail influencers in the world by Rethink Retail, both this year, 2022, and last year, 2021, which is when Rethink Retail started pulling together these influencer lists. Michael is also the president of Maven Media and hosts a huge number of different podcasts. He's the face of Canada's top retail industry podcast, The Voice of Retail, plus He also hosts Remarkable Retail with Steve Dennis, The Food Professor with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois, Global E-Commerce Tech Talks, Conversations with Commerce Next. And he's also got an incredible barbecue YouTube channel, which we also get into in the conversation. So I can't wait to jump into this. Michael's got such a rich experience, as you will hear. You can find out lots more about Michael on the show notes today at obandco.uk slash 179. That's www.obandco.uk slash 179. And do remember to sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing whilst you're over there to help you keep your finger firmly on the pulse of the ever-evolving world of retail. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Michael LeBlanc. Well, a very warm welcome to the Retail Transformation Show to you, Mr. Michael LeBlanc. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm all the better for joining you on the mic today, Oliver. It's great to hear your voice. Well, absolutely. Really looking forward to our conversation. We're going to be diving into the whole topic around 
influencers. And I think, mm-hmm. I think, Michael, that you might just have probably the most unique perspective on this because you've got a three-way perspective. Having yeah. managed influencer campaigns and operations, you are a B2B influencer and increasingly a B2C influencer as well. Tell us more. Yeah, well, thanks. Again, uh, thanks for having me on. So, you know, in the long career between retail and being in with associations and and doing consulting advisory practice work, somewhere in amongst there, all this came together to be what you and I now call influencers. I guess we would have called it that years ago. And and the most obvious is throughout my career, there's been many times, and you know, we, we've talked about doing influence work, but sometimes it would be product placement, which of course is influencing as well. I mean, influencing in many ways isn't entirely uh, new by any stretch of the imagination. I used to actually do a, a session for uh, high school kids called Why Do Vampires Drive Volvos? <laughs> Why? Why did they? It was, well, that was my question because, you know, this was during the Twilight, if you remember the movie, the Twilight movies, and uh, the Cullens, who are the vampires, mm. would drive these new Volvos around. And I'm like, so Volvo is well known for safety. That's one of their big brand things. Mm. So why does an eternal being who, who need <laughs> a Volvo, the safest car on the road, and, and kids would go, I, I, I never, so, you know, product placement, right? And they would start to just connect the number of different ways that subtle or not so subtle that we're being, we're being influenced. And now, you know, it is with the onset of social media, it is just flourishing both, uh, as you say, B2B and uh, B2C. I mean, where would we be without LinkedIn, which is the Uber B2B influencer, yes. one of many, right? So it's been, it's been quite a journey from, from that perspective. And then, uh, as you said, you know, round about last year, I decided, you know, I was talking to clients about influencer strategies and, and listening. And I said, you know, I, I think it would be fun to be one myself. <laughs> and uh, just like that. <laughs> That's how it came around. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, it, you know, it kind of did. And, and, you know, I, I, so it also happened when I bought my fifth barbecue for the backyard, getting a few questions about why we needed five barbecues. And I'm like, well, I've got to be an influencer. I could be a barbecue influencer. So I launched a YouTube show called The Last Request Barbecue Show. And uh, boy, I learned so much just on, like, it's one thing to talk about being an influencer, one thing to, you know, manage and work with influencers, yes. another thing to be one and experience it hands-on, which is, you know, it's really, it's really so interesting. And what's, what's been most interesting in that journey into the B2C, doing it for yourself? Well, it's, uh, you know, first of all, there's the whole creation thing. You need to create, and I have partners that do the editing, but you really need to create, you need to find your vibe. What are you all about and hone that in. So there's that whole, who are you, mm. first of all. And then there's the whole kind of building up audience. So some of that is organic and some of that's paid because you kind of need to establish some credibility, build some momentum, right? You've got to get some momentum yes. going. Some, it comes to them. Others, you just need to build a bit of momentum and hopefully that takes over. And then just talking to companies and saying, hey, I do this and, and you know, I'm in the barbecue space. Perhaps we could work together and maybe it's just product. And, and you know, the discussions, some are just like, you know, for some Smaller brands, it's completely off their radar screen, which it was kind of, I found surprising. And then particularly in the food space, mm. some of them are, and others are, oh yeah, we got a whole raft of this work that we do with a number of different people. Mm. And, uh, you know, find your niche because, you know, you got to find your niche. My niche, as it happens, is there's not a lot of, and I actually didn't know this going in, there's not actually a lot of great Canadian barbecue shows. And I didn't know it going in, I was just creating. Yeah. And it turns out that, um, you know, I found a niche or stumbled into a niche or whatever. 
And that's getting me some good traction with uh, the folks who are closest to it. In other words, you know, product, food, some food suppliers and some product, not equipment yet. They, they, they're, they're inundated. So my target is to get some, uh, you know, some bigger equipment, but I think that's yeah. a couple of years in the offing. Bar- barbecue number six, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I already know what it's going to be. I already know what it's going to be. I've got six, seven, and eight planned out. But, uh... Wow. <laughs> then you can, uh, you can curate the barbecue museum later on in the future. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I get that question a lot. What other barbecues do you need? I'm like, oh my God, I, I don't have, you know, all kinds of different things I don't have that would be fun to have. <laughs> we could go in many, many different directions at this particular stage, Michael, but I'd love to know how are you seeing retailers and brands mm. using influencers? Why are they choosing to use influencers and what are they doing? Well, it, it is a very rich field to, uh, to dive into because it's becoming, you know, what was a, an offshoot of a social media strategy basically has become a mainline strategy. And, you know, from brands as, as diverse, the beauty brands, of course, have been probably leading the charge in this. The beauty brands are probably farther ahead than most mm. in terms of influencers. You know, with I with this Pandora jewelry, which is kind of a, a lifestyle beauty jewelry brand, uh, you know, that establishment, that, um, you know, the, the influencer regime was already well established. Uh, we're still trying to chalk the field a little bit about what it takes. Mm. And then, you know, there's a bit of a diseconomy of scale as there is in many things in Canada because, you know, the numbers just don't always connect. And this is where B2B and B2C, we can talk about B2B doesn't make sense, right? So you're, you know, in the B2C, you're looking for how many Instagram followers they have or TikTok followers yeah. now. In, and you measure it in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions. Well, you certainly don't do that in the B2C space. So, you know, you look for those people who have some kind of audience. Sometimes they come from the world of media or celebrity, but more commonly they come from everyday people who have some kind of charisma and effort and make some effort towards just connecting with an audience mm. and building an audience. Usually it's characterized by the authenticity. They're very authentic and sometimes they're well-produced and other times they're not well-produced. And it's, you know, it's almost an offshoot of, you know, there's many who've come an offshoot out of photography and videography. So that's where they came up from, but others yep. put an iPhone or webcam in front of them set up a Facebook account, Facebook Live, and, and your influencers, and they've got millions of followers, and the brands are paying attention. Yeah. And brands are paying attention and saying, listen, this is, whether it's micro-influencers or on the big ticket, we need to pay attention. And from a spectrum of have some product all the way to full paid influencers, which is kind of that spectrum that we think of, mm. you, you'll have people along that. And for the brands, I think it becomes... You could have a lot of influencers, but you it is something you need to actively manage. It is not a, a set and forget by any means. So you do have to be careful how many you take on and in what places on the spectrum and how you manage them. And it's kind of like an affiliate program. If you if you think of it like a website affiliate program, you can have a 10,000 affiliates, but really your top 10 might drive your volume, yeah. but you're going to have to pay attention to all of them in some way, shape or form. So how you scale that engagement is very important. I think it's interesting just thinking about that and how the number of influencers, particularly micro-influencers, as you say, is, is expanding. And it makes me think of what Nike have been doing with their D2C yep. strategy and actually pulling back from the number of retail outlets. I wonder if mm-hmm. we'll see that same cyclical nature in the influencer market where you know a brand, let's just say Nike, have used micro-influencers and said, oh, we've got 10,000 influencers and then go, whoa, a bit too many. We're going to pull it back to 50. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I see it. I don't see that happening. No, okay. Because I think, 
When I talk to retailers, uh, as I often do for Retail Council of Canada on a frequent basis, most of them say, I wish I spent more on social media and influencer marketing. Mm. I wish I should do it more. We should invest more. I'm not hearing any pullback. What I am hearing is for some a recognition of we got to do it. You know, we, it, it, it is not a thing where you throw out a bunch of random ideas and get hook up with a bunch of different influencers and hope things happen. It is a discipline yep. more and more, and it is a program. The numbers uh, belie the success. In other words, as you said, if you got too many, it may or may not be successful or you bring on resources. And I'm seeing that same thing with social media. So I'm seeing retailers who used to have a social media manager or director and now are having social media people dedicated by platform. Yep. So that's how they're starting to expand you know, I need somebody who's an expert in TikTok, Instagram, Facebook Live, all these things. And that's where the depth comes versus the, you know, the horizontal mm. uh, skill of understanding social media and how it connects into the marketing program. So I, I listen, I see, I see it as a, you know, maybe I'm a little biased because I'm a micro influencer, I guess you could say. But I think where the benefit is, is you're reaching audience in a very, very authentic way. You just have to, as a retailer, be very careful you need the proper resources when you go down that path, right? Pick a few, learn as we all do, but uh, you do have to resource it. It is not something to, I don't think it's something to be done off the side of the desk. Yes. You do have to, you know, resource it. It, it reminds me of social media 10 years ago. I, I, I remember literally I, just going to say the same thing, right? It, it's a side job. And then as brands get increasingly mature, job. it becomes, I am the head of influencer marketing or whatever, right? Right. Yeah. It, it, I remember starting my first uh, Twitter account when I was at the shopping channel, which is like a QVC uh, online, you know, online and offline, but television. Mm. And, and people are like, what's Twitter? And why would we even have that? What's the point? <laughs> and I'm like, trust me, I see there's a point. There's a point to it all. Some things aren't that obvious and some things don't work. Yeah. Obviously get your, you know, those accounts that are long, long gone or those platforms to kind of move around. So you do have to be nimble. Uh, one today's, uh, I mean, look at TikTok, right? TikTok came out of next to nowhere 18 months ago. Oh, it ate, as all social media platforms do, it's aging very quickly, you know, starts young, ages quickly. It's pretty mainstream now. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you, you actually look at that speed of adoption of social media platforms and you think, no, no. if TikTok's now running at that, that sort of speed, what's the next big one going to be running at? Is yep. it a year from zero to a billion users or whatever, whatever crazy number, right? Yeah, it's just, it's just phenomenal. I mean, you know, the technology behind it, you know, what could get in the way of all this stuff is, it's hard to imagine. I mean, the next iteration of it, and we can talk about it's actually already here is, of course, what retailers want to do is connect these programs to sales. Ultimately, mm. I mean, there's brand objective, there's brand building objective, but there's also sales and sales could be as I call it two by four marketing, you know, hit yourself over the head with a two by four. Here's an offer code you know, to give out or to give to your influencers. However, you know, deeply connecting, and we're seeing the beauty brands do this, where it's both a mix of live stream, where you can click to buy right away, like connecting commerce mm. to social media, to influencers. That's a very, very powerful, triumphant of, uh, of sales technique and art and science that really, I think, is the next the next thing. And as I said, some of the beauty brands are, are already there. Yeah. Well, let's stick with that that whole sales piece. You know, it is a marketing investment. You will want to yep. think about an ROI on that investment. But I suppose there's, there's a couple of different avenues here. If you're an e-commerce company and you've mm -hmm. got sort of tracking links and everything, you can probably do that much more easily if someone is clicking straight through from an Instagram 
profile yep. or something. If you're yep. a, a bricks and mortar retailer, that gets a little bit trickier. Or if you're a brand where, you know, someone is not buying D to C, that gets again trickier. How are you seeing different retailers think about this ROI challenge? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, you know, if I'd step back a little bit in terms of who retailers are hiring more now to run these programs. Yes. And initially in the first generation, it was it was direct marketers, direct response marketers, right? This is a medium where we want a direct response. We want measurability. So let's go hire us folks who, who know that well. Maybe they were running email campaigns yeah. or whatever. Now I'm seeing this blend of storytelling and direct response, right? So their retailers are hiring storytellers, journalists, uh, creatives. And really, I think from a brand perspective, they, as you say, you're a couple of clicks away from from attribution, but what they do measure is regard and recognition, right? Mm. How many percentages of spot on targeted, if you do your work well with the right influencer, how many impressions are you generating? What's the, you know, start measuring that on a, on a basis of regard and recognition. And both those metrics can be moved very significantly, right? Yep. If you find the right formula, the right influencer and the right, put the right program together, then you can start to move those metrics, which, you know, do lead to positive ROI. And as you know, as marketers, we sometimes have to measure ourselves in that way, not just in terms of direct dollars spent. And of course, there's, I'm sure there's media companies who are listening to this who, who would respond and say, well, listen, we've got very sophisticated algorithms that we can actually connect, start connecting those dots in certain markets with sales. You know, sales in region five went up 4% and we had a great influencer marketing campaign. Yep. So I think the, the numbers are probably there. And, and I think we're beyond, you know, just thinking it works, but the good news about influencer marketing is it work from, I was, I just uh, was talking to a small indie retailer, sells barbecue spices. They have no sophistication of this. They were just looking for someone to talk about their brand. They're an online retailer. They're very happy with it. It's, it's all going to come together. And, and um, it's one of these programs, what I love about it, it's, it's like the democratization of social media. Because, you know, if I think of social media versus now versus 10 years ago, it's very hard to get advantage. It's, the platforms are very expensive. It's very hard to be to be more clever than your next very clever, you know, competitor. Yep. But in social media, I think you you still can have that edge if you do it well. I think there's room for innovation and there's room to be better and actually gain advantage or gain advantage from a well-run program because it's not uniformly the case. And I know you had some experience of this back when you were at the shopping channel. Mm -hmm. Tell us a bit more yeah. about the the impact of influencers from from that experience. Well, the, and the shopping channel, these sh televised shopping channels work on kind of a, there's an assortment strategy, which is a mix of you know, some well-known brands and other brands that no one knows, but are great brands. Yep. And it's a very specific channel. And occasionally you would have both celebrities and, you know, made on TV celebrities, so to speak. And I, I can remember when we look at the metrics, which were very precise, we would see, for example, uh, Joan Rivers, the late, great Joan Rivers, who I got to know quite well. You know, she would have a show and, and uh, the numbers would be very, you know, we measure dollar per minute productivity. When she couldn't make it every now and then, she couldn't make it to a show. Same product, great salesperson, the president of her company who actually made the product, but the productivity would go down, not up, because there was an entertainment, an engagement part. And, you know, it was always, I, you never knew what to expect with Joan Rivers. I remember <laughs> her, her literally picking, picking up some props and whipping them at our heads when she wasn't happy at something live on television. So, nice. You know, there was always something interesting happening that. with the, she's a, she's a, yeah, Joan Rivers was a, you know, she had her public face and then so to speak, and then she had a, uh, she was a very savvy businesswoman mm. and, and uh, 
very passionate person, very interesting person. So anyway, that was so, so interesting. And I, I think it's an actual interesting segue, Oliver, to what I'm seeing more and more retailers do, which is how do they enable their associates to play in this space. And I think that's rich, rich territory for discussion and, and for growth. You know, how do you activate all these passionate people? You put all the training into your associates on the floor and then, you know, they wait for customers to come to them. Well, I see Macy's and other organizations putting influencer programs and using these store associates as influencers. And in fact, hooking up the pipes enough to have them get some compensation for that. But in some ways, you've done the great work of training your store associates to be experts and literally influencing on the store floor. Mm. How do you take them into the into the uh, social media universe? I think there's rich ground there to be uh, to be to be plowed. Absolutely, I think I've I've seen some instances where that is absolutely happening, and you've got people doing Facebook and Instagram lives, or even just posting on their their grid, for example, yeah. doing some fantastic stuff and bringing customers into the store i suppose in that in that perfect example yeah. what's what or or where or wherever right yeah. i mean you know very few retailers of any size don't have some kind of both omni channel thing going but at the end of the day the people are there as i've said you've invested the time and treasure in them so it's a great opportunity i think it's interesting i mean that feels like a natural fit right yeah, there's a bit of risk it, to it though perfectly, yeah. it's, it, T- tell us about that risk why would you, why would he not do it is the is the question well, I think at two things. A, you got to like all influencer programs. You know, you you don't do them off the side of your desk. You have to manage them. And B, you just want to make sure that you just don't basically create, you know, an influencer, and then they say, "Well, I don't need you, Macy's or whoever. I'm going to go be on my own." So I, I, maybe it, maybe calling it a risk isn't the right way to mm. phrase it. But at the end of the day, you know, <laughs> you could be just fostering a career, which is not a bad thing either. If they leave Macy's, and I'm using Macy's, but they leave your store and and become an advocate of your store inside the four doors or four walls or out. That's a good thing too. And, you know, listen, there's always a little bit of risk in influencer strategy, right? Because yeah. your influencers, you know, they can go south on you, so to speak. It's like hiring talent or, you know, you have to have some reputational guideposts and you have to have some rules, which again, gets back to the, be careful how many you've got, because if one of them does something that really is off your brand strategy and, you know, you got to find out about it and you got to deal with it. And if you've got mm. too much going on at the same time, you know, it doesn't take much for things to blow up on the internet, uh, no. even from the smallest influencer, you know. Yeah, that, that, that sort of viral nature could happen before you've managed to activate your whole PR engine, for example, to, to manage the situation. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could, you could be, are, are they working for us? Are they are they part of our, you know, if you're, <laughs> are they one of our influencers? I don't know, are they? Wearing the, the store uniform or, you know, whatever, yeah. It's, it's interesting, well, though, yeah. just thinking about that risk because it reminds me of that little, comic strip the cartoon of the cfo saying what if we train our people and they leave and the ceo or whoever saying what if we don't and they stay (laughs) (laughs) that's well put that's well put yeah i think to reclassify the risk so to speak the risk is this in the broader there's there's reputational risk right Mm. there's the risk of being inefficient but there's always reputational risk and you just multiply that by the number of people you deal with so you know we can talk about what to look for in influencers and how to vet them and it all it all ladders back up to the this isn't something that you want to do without proper resourcing and attention and feels like it's fun because it's on the internet and fun and and open and it should be that's part of the, the vibe of the whole thing mm. but behind the scenes you do need to uh, to have you know the professional rigor that retailers bring to all things 
need to be brought to this as well. Yeah. And as you become more mature in this area and you get that head of influencer marketing or whatever, yeah. and actually watch the operating model that then sits around this entire piece, piece of the business, right? It's a, it's a, it's a yeah. marketing engine. How are you going to operate that? How are you going to make it consistent, predictable and, and viable? Very, I mean, very much like social media was eight, five, eight years ago, right? Mm -hmm. It was this thing that was happening and I didn't even know it was happening and it wasn't really as connected as it could have been or should have been to the overall marketing programs. That You, you would never say that today, right? Social media mm -hmm. is, in fact, leading for many retailers. Social media is in, in leading of launches and new brand launches. And you know that's probably where we are with influencer marketing for mm -hmm. some who are far ahead and others who are who will get there. And, and uh, again, my advice to clients and anyone who asks is, uh, I, they say, what do you think I should spend or invest on social media and influencers? I say, I don't know what you're spending. Just double it. Easy. <laughs> just double it. There we go. Simple, there we go. There's my advice. Strategy. Yeah. Double it. I don't know where the money's coming from, but uh, trust me, double it. There we go. There we go. So, Michael, this has been a really interesting conversation. And, you know, just as we're starting to come towards the end of, of our time together, I just want to think about how to make this sort of retailer influencer relationship work. You know, we, we touched on the rigor of getting yep. like an operating model, let's say, in place. What are the what are all the different aspects that someone should should be considering? You know, it, it is really notwithstanding the rigor and making sure you've you've got the right T's and C's in place, it is a deft touch. I mean, some of the best influencer marketing programs are finding people that align with your brand and let them do their thing because mm. the authenticity then just rings through. And, and really that is consistently been where I've been successful is finding someone and then giving them a long lead or, you know, here, here's our new product do with it what you will, so mm. to speak, because you've already baked in the trust that they, you know, that they are have an affinity for your product or your category. You've watched what they do. Don't set a lot of parameters. You know, you get your brand parameters, which which are kind of table stakes. But the differentiator is allowing that deft touch so that they be creative and come up with ideas you'll never come up with. I mean, this is part of the genius, right? You've got this wisdom of the crowds where, you know, if you dictate, I want the following things done on the following days, that's fair for a launch, but it must look like these five things. I mean, I think you're you're it's a suboptimal outcome. You're not mm. going to get the full creativity out of the relationship that is that is there. There's so much creativity out amongst the people, mm. and it's just you know it's 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 just you know how do you put the right amount of incentive product and just allow that to blossom and and it'll return fivefold versus you know every single line item and every detail. So as I said, it's a, a deft touch wins the game and, and just the right resources to make sure they're all connected and see what you do and, and, you know, follow up and see how it works and measure the way you can. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite a, an agile and flexible approach as the market yep. is continuing to evolve, see what yep. works, adjust, pivot, try something else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as the platforms evolve too, right? I mean, that's the yes. other player in this. The third player is the platforms that, that social media that we all use, that influencers use. And as they evolve, particularly as they start to much more deeply integrate commerce and content, mm. that's, you know, that's the part that is moving as fast, if not faster. And as we talked about before today, it's, uh, you know, today it's TikTok, tomorrow it'll be something else. And the creators will find that. The creators will find it and master it. So you get to, you get to learn, you get to go to school on their expertise and, and you get to benefit from their creativity. And then the platforms are, as a player over here, 
you know, just keep an eye on that because they're going to, they're, they're not going to stand still. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a really exciting industry, I suppose, to be, to be yep. in as a result. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Michael, this has been absolutely fantastic. I've really enjoyed our, our, our conversation and would love to continue on for, for many hours <laughs> because <laughs> I think there's so many different angles here. Yeah. But if someone is listening and wants to find out more about you, where's the best place they can check you out and particularly if they're feeling a little hungry as well i suppose <laughs> <laughs> well the best the best place the best all in one place is uh is linkedin actually i use linkedin significantly my website is a little bit behind i can't keep up on the website but on linkedin is so join connect with me on linkedin follow me on linkedin and of course on youtube look up the last request barbecue show you can see me live doing my influencer thing and i also have for some of my podcasts i have some youtube sites which we have some fun with as well, extended content and that sort of thing. But LinkedIn is your first port of call. And if I were to ask for a barbecue recommendation, perhaps with mm. a, a, an accompanying video, what would, you, what would you recommend? I think the best thing I've made this year so far is a honey sage chicken smoked on a smoker. So oh. you actually brine it in sage, a fresh sage for 24 hours, and then you cook it and covered in honey and then smoke it. And it, it was just unbelievable. Wow. <laughs> and now my mouth is watering. I will have to find the link for that. And we will get that on the show notes because that sounds delicious. Yeah, it's fantastic. Easy to make too. Just easy, super easy to make, but it's chicken like you've never tasted before. And I don't know why it took me this long to make it. Sometimes the best things come to those who wait, as they say. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Michael, thank you so much for joining me here on the Retail Transformation Show. I appreciate you so much. Well, thanks again for having me. It was great to uh, hear your voice and I look forward to seeing you in person real soon. Absolutely. That was a great conversation there with Michael LeBlanc. So fascinating and such a rich experience and viewpoint to draw on. I do hope you enjoyed it just as much as I did. Now, as usual, there are so many different episodes of the Retail Transformation Show that I'd love to also share with you. So I'd like to pull out a few based on today's conversation. Firstly, in episode 42 and 43, you're going to have to give a, a good long scroll back through the archives for that one. I'm talking to Polly Barnfield about how social media is changing retail. Then in episode 83, I was chatting with one of Michael's co-hosts, Steve Dennis, in an episode called Being Remarkable in Adversity. That's a two-parter as well, so check out episode 83 and also 84 as well. And then finally, take a listen to episode 117, called Are Retail Operating Models Dead? with a particular nod to the agile approaches that Michael and I were talking about earlier on. So do go and check out those episodes there. I'm going to put all of the links on the show notes today, which you can find at obandco.uk slash 179. And when you are over there, do please sign up for the Retail Transformation Briefing, my free email newsletter with all of the key headlines from the world of retail transformation, as well as insight and intel to keep your finger firmly on the pulse of our ever-evolving industry. Sign up totally for free, obandco.uk slash 179. 
Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. If you haven't already, please do hit the subscribe button in your favorite podcast app to make sure that you catch new episodes which come out every single week. And you can always leave a rating and review, which I'll be hugely grateful for. So I'll look forward to joining you in another episode of the Retail Transformation Show very, very soon. Bye for now.